0: and uh, we have uh, today in two more weeks on our series prayers for turbulent times and it'll take us up to the 23rd psalm uh, one of the favorite psalms uh, of many people and uh, when we looked at psalm 23 you might find some new and interesting insights that you've not seen before but today we pick with psalm 21 and before we read let's pray Gracious God, thank you. Send your Holy Spirit now, we ask, that we might understand your word and that your spirit might fill me up so that I can proclaim your word to your people today boldly and faithfully. Lord, teach us how to pray more effectively. Teach us how to pray in reality of who you are and all that you do in your greatness and your glory. Uh, And we thank you, Lord, that no matter what kind of turbulent times we're going through, you are there for us. Uh, ready to hear us and interact with us in the power of your spirit. We bless you and praise you and thank you for your word. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exults! You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head, he asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation, splendor and majesty you beto- bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad in the, with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and though the, through the steadfast love of the Lord most high, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies." Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them in his wrath, and fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed, for you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows." Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I was just talking with somebody earlier today about uh, some turbulent times in the life of City Temple about uh, almost a decade ago now. It's uh, hard to believe that so much time has passed. And I remember something that the Lord said to me as we started into this time of turbulence, what proved to be a much longer time of turbulence than even I expected it to be here at City Temple. The Lord told me three things. He said, Rod, stand, do not resign, and remember this is not your fight. Stand, do not resign, and remember this is not your fight. Uh, And and it's appropriate to remember that because today marks the 15th anniversary of my induction as pastor here at City Temple. So today, 15 years. It's hard to believe a decade and a half of my life has just flown away like that, uh, but indeed it has. And, uh, And I remember through those turbulent times, as I reflect back on that, it was fairly easy for me to remember the first two words, stand, as sometimes that was all I could do, do not resign, okay, that tied my hands, I couldn't run away like I so often wanted to, but it was that third one, remember this is not your fight, that I often forgot to my own harm. Now there were a lot of times when I thought in the time of turbulence that this was a battle that I needed to fight. This was a battle that I needed to win. This was a battle that I had to develop the right strategies for, and I had to to deal with uh, myself. And uh, and every time that happened, every time I did that, every time I ventured down that pathway, and thankfully, I never went too far down that pathway, but every time I took a step down that pathway, uh, it never worked out. Never once worked out. And I look back and I realize that I wasted hours and hours and hours and hours on something that made absolutely no difference to the outcome. Because I forgot what the Lord said. You know, and then times when we're in turbulence, it's very easy for all of us to fall in the same thing. You know, how many times do maybe we have relational problems and relational turbulence and we think, I need to fix this, especially if you're a man, you know, you need to do this. Uh, I I remember for years, you know, when Karen came to me to talk to me about things, I thought she was coming to talk to me so I could fix whatever she was talking about. And it took me a while to learn. Uh, Actually, it it, it took her to look me in the eye, in the face, straight, say, Rod, (laughs) held my face, focused it on her. I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. And finally, I got the message. You know, it took a few times and a very sore head, but eventually, you know, I got the message. All I needed to do is listen uh, because my, my instinct as a man was to fix it. Oh, we do this in the workplace. I mean, how many times have we dealt with uh, a boss or a coworker that has just been absolutely horrible? I mean, I know I have, and I work in a church. So if I've done that, I know that you have to experience that as well. And the temptation is to think, I've got to fix this person. I've got to find the right strategy. Uh, I can't tell you the number of conferences I've been to and the number of books that I've read about how to handle difficult people. And the thing, you know, that I've learned after dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of reading, of studying, uh, of listening... Is that there's no real way to handle difficult people. The best you can do is deal with yourself. Because you can't fix somebody who's difficult. Or we get into this, and this is what happens in American Christianity. Uh, American Christianity kind of has this this idea right now, and God's breaking this, by the way, off of American Christianity. But uh, American Christianity has this idea that, you know, we need as Christians to get politically active to fix our country by having the right government in place. Uh, And the way that God is trying to fix this, in part with this current election, is having two candidates that Christians in their right mind, neither of which they could really support. Because the truth is, political action won't fix The problems in our world. That's not to say we shouldn't be politically active. We should. We have a responsibility to be engaged in government, but we must engage in government with the clear-eyed realization that this is not our fight, that it's God that raises up governments and it's God that brings governments low. It is God that sets the boundaries of nations and where we should live and how we should live and the time of our existence. It's God that sets all of that. So at the end of the day, when we're in turbulence, we have to understand we can't fix it. It is not our fight. It is not up to us and what we do. And that's exactly how David is teaching us to pray in this passage. Now, David, you notice in the first half, he's talking about the king and uh, he's using something that today we would call the royal we. You know, when, when Her Majesty says, you know, we really must do this, uh, she'll never say, I will do this. She, she talks as the royal we. Uh, I use this very often in my staff meetings. I'll be meeting with Mark, and I'll say, you know, Mark, we really need to do something about this situation. Now, Mark completely understands that when I say we really need to do something about this, that I mean he really needs to do something about this. And if he needs my advice and encouragement as he does what I want him to do about this, then he can come to me. And I don't have to explain that every time. All I can do is just, all I have to do is just say, we really need to fix this. And Mark gets the message right away. And that's what David's doing here. When he's talking about the king, the king rejoices, the king exults. he's saying, I, I, this is about himself, and remember, these passages apply to us because as Christians, we are sons of the Most High God. We are brothers of Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with him. We are destined to reign with Christ, which means that we are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. We are a royal priesthood, Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2, a holy nation. And so this is reality for us. Now, in this reality for us, notice how David breaks this psalm down into two parts. And both parts really revolve around the theme of the last verse. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. In other words, David is saying... God, it's all about you. It's about your strength, your power, your ability to get things done. It's about your ability to win the battles that we are fighting. I love that line in the song we sang opening up uh, the lion and the lamb. You know, our, our God is a lion who's fighting our battles. And there's a reality that Jesus is fighting our battles, that Jesus is engaged in the issues of the world around us. That God is engaged actively in our world in ways sometimes we don't perceive and often don't understand, but God's power is manifested. God's power is active and that everything good, every blessing, every victory, every positive development comes by the power of God. And all the power of hell together ultimately cannot thwart the power of God. And so David is resting in this realization, saying, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise not only your name, not only your reputation, not only your character, but also your power. So David in this psalm is grounding his prayer in a realization of God's power actively engaged in the world around him. And God's power is actively engaged to two separate ends, but they're related. The first end, God's power is actively engaged on our behalf to bless us. God's power is engaged on our behalf to bless us. The first half of the psalm is dealing with this. In your strength the king rejoices, in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You've given his heart's desire, not withheld the request of his lips. You meet him with rich blessings, Uh, set a crown of fine gold. Uh, I asked you something, you gave it to me. I got length of days, long life. Uh, Your glory is great through your salvation manifested in my life. And on and on and on, on the way down to verse 7. For the king trusts in the Lord through the steadfast love of the Most High. He shall not be moved. And so, David here is saying that God, your power is active in my life to bless me, to protect me, to provide everything good for me, to make your salvation manifested in my life. Doesn't matter the tumult that I'm going through, doesn't matter the turmoil I'm going through, doesn't matter what I'm seeing on my outward circumstances in a moment by moment realization or, or, or perspective but I know the reality is that overall your power is at work on my behalf to bring blessing into my life so that as the king, in David's case, he can bless his people and so that in our case, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, as princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, we can bless the world around us in the name of God. And so God's power is actively at work and we need to acknowledge this day by day by day, especially in all the blessings we receive. That's why we give thanks at grace, uh, or say grace, as as we say often at at mealtimes. We're acknowledging it's by God's power that this happens. That's why we're called to thanksgiving as a regular lifestyle, because it acknowledges that by the power of God, all of this comes to pass. But then that's not the only thing. There's a second way the power of God is at work, and that's in the second half of this psalm. He starts out in verse uh, 8. You will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear, and on and on. What he is saying here is not only is God's power active for our blessing, but God's power is also active in the battles that we face. God's power is active for our protection. One of the biggest errors that we make is to begin thinking that we need to defend ourselves. Yet self-defense is something that we all do rather instinctively. Somebody misrepresents something we say, we want to correct them. Somebody says something that hurts us, we want to attack them. Uh, Somebody misrepresents uh, our, our motives and we immediately think we need to challenge that. As Christians often, we have people in the marketplace, they they espouse non-Christian views, and we think, well, I I need to be offended at that. I need to uh, uh, do an employment tribunal on that, uh, or I at least need to address it and attack it outright. We start to think that we have to defend ourselves, that we have to defend Jesus and His honor, that we have to defend God, and that is always a mistake because God is our defender. And God's power is working on our behalf. Now that doesn't mean that there are not occasions when we do need to go to employment tribunals, when we do need to take a stand because God tells us to take a stand. But when we do those things... We need to do them not as a knee-jerk, self-defensive reaction, but we need to do them under the direct instruction of the Holy Spirit with the confidence that it's not going to be our cleverness, it's not going to be our working in this situation that brings about the outcome, that the outcome will be brought about by the power of God because God is there to fight our battles. So God's power is active to bless us, God's power is active to protect us and by blessing the Lord for his strength by praising and singing to God for his power we are reminding ourselves that the source of our success the source of our victories are all in the power of God not the power of us as Christians not the power that we carry, not the power of our words, not the power of our political action, not the power of our numbers, not the power of our money, but only in the power of our God. And Jesus Christ is the guarantee of this because he not only died on the cross, but by the power of God, he rose from the dead. And that gives us confidence that the power of God is at work in our lives as well. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your power. Your power is manifested in our lives. Your power is manifested in our world. Your power is manifested in the church. Your power is manifested in the presence of your Holy Spirit. We exalt you. We worship you. We praise you. We adore you for your power. And Lord, let your power be manifested to bless us and to protect us so that we can serve you faithfully as your sons and daughters through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.